This is lyrics to a, a song by a man of a name of Danny Gokey. And uh, just listen to it for a second. You always think I'm somewhere on a mountaintop, but never think behind bars. You'd be amazed the places that I go to be with you where you are. So forget what you've heard, what you think that you know. There's a lot about me that has never been told. I'm more than you dreamed, more than you understand. Your days and your times were destined for our dance. I catch all your tears, burn your name on my heart. Please still entrust my plan. I am more than you think I am. And, of course, that is talking about our Lord. And we're looking at his love, the great pursuit, that God's love is unrelenting and it's persistent. Now, I'm getting excited thinking about this passage. If you look at Luke 15 all together, there's three parables there. We looked at the one two weeks ago about the lost sheep, and the shepherd went out looking. Now we find a lady who's lost a coin, and her her unrelenting pursuit to find that coin. And, of course, next week we'll look at the prodigal son. What's interesting here is Jesus is telling us something about the heart of God and his passion to reach out to lost mankind. And as you read that chapter, each parable goes up. You start with a sheep, then you go to a coin, then you go to someone's life. There is an article written back in September 21st, 2017 by a, name, by a man named Bradley Wright. And it's called The Exchange. Really, it's in a blog that you could go on Christianity Today and find. And the title of this blog was, 20% of Americans are on the threshold of religion. He states that one out of every ten Americans say they have no religious affiliation. However, two out of ten of them can be considered or classified as religious liminals. What that means is sometimes they claim to have a religious affiliation, sometimes they do not. That means that at the very least, one out of every three people we meet claim no strong tie to religious belief. Yet many of them are open to a conversation about faith. They're, they're open to have a sincere discussion about faith. And he tells us we should not give up on these people. After all, they're liminals. And what that word means is on the threshold. They claim no religious or they don't like organized religion, but they're willing to have an open discussion about faith. Aren't you glad that God never gave up on you? I am. And by the way, he continues not to give out on us. His love is unrelenting, unrelenting and persistent. He is committed to finding the lost and he calls you and I to pursue them as well. The Pharisees cannot believe, and if you go back to the first part of this chapter, the Pharisees cannot believe that Jesus is consorting with sinners and tax collectors. How dare he do such a thing? How can he hang out with these types of people? After all, we're, we're righteousness, and righteousness demands that we stay away from certain classes of people. We must stay away from that so we can maintain our righteous dignity. Are we guilty of the same thing here at home? See, God doesn't want us to isolate ourselves from the world to such a point that we never relate to the lost. 
especially as a pastor, it's easy to put myself in a bubble where I'm not rubbing elbows against someone who doesn't go to church, someone who doesn't know Christ. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. We must be out there where the people are living out our faith, but also telling us, telling them about our faith. Look who Jesus was hanging out with. The tax collectors and the sinners. We should be engaging the lost in meaningful relationships. And our text paints that beautiful picture once again of God's unrelenting and persistent love. Look at our text, Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 8. Another parable. Or what woman? Or suppose a woman has silver coins. That's the NIV. If she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with, rejoice with me, for I found the silver coin which I had lost. Now listen to this. In the same way or likewise, I tell you or I say to you, there is joy or rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. We'll get to that in a moment. But look what happens. He goes, what woman, if she loses a a coin or she has ten silver coins and loses one, and that Greek word translated there of the coin literally means a Greek Silver coin. Now, some people say that coin was probably part of her dowry. You know, that's part that she'd give her husband when she gets married. Uh, that could be the case, or maybe a, a gift of money or property to him. And some cultures have a, a bride price that, especially back in those days, they had arranged marriages. Uh, the parents would get together, and uh, the 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 groom's family would have to pay the bride's family a price because she is leaving. And they're very agricultural. They needed that hand, if you will. And so they're they're buying, they're putting that price on that so they would be compensated for their loss. Now, I'm going to go off track here just for a second. But remember that bridal price. It's also a picture of our Lord. He came in human flesh and walked among us. Perfect life laid down his life on that cross and resurrected again. He has paid the price. For us, the bridal price, we are the bride of Christ as believers in him, right? And so now he's going off to prepare a place for us, just like that groom back in the first century would go back to his father's house and make a place for him and his bride to be. So he would go back to that village one day and and get his wife and they would be married and consummate the marriage. A week of celebration would take place. So here we are. Our groom is now preparing a place for us in heaven. And one day he's going to come back. And just like a village would be full of young ladies. Hey, is that my man? Is that him coming to take me? We got to be looking to the air with one eye and on the ground with the other thinking, is this the day when the Lord will take me home to be with him? Is this the day I'll be able to go home? The great anticipation. Why don't we have that anymore? Have you woke up this morning and said, ooh, this might be it. It might happen today. You guys are looking at me like I'm nuts. This could be today. Now, there's nothing in the text to indicate exactly how much this coin was, or was it part of a necklace they would they would wear? It could also be a headdress they put on their head. They would make it a uh, these coins they put on their their head to signify they're now married. There's a picture of a necklace you'll see. 
There you go. Something similar to that. Or like the headband that that young lady see her on her forehead. They put it up there. So it was very important to her that she'd find it. Now I must stress again, in the text specifically, it does not tell us how much that coin was or exactly the significance to her. But apparently it was important to her. Now you can imagine if it was part of her dowry or something like that, it would be very important she would find that because it would be kind of bad to lose something like don't you think? So she, she wants to find it. What the point is of this parable, once again, is the search that happens to find it. The unrelenting and persistent search that she has to find it. She, look what, lights a lamp, sweeps the house, and searches carefully until she finds it. Have you ever lost anything? Nobody has, huh? You ever lost something and you're searching for it? And you're just driving yourself crazy. I know I put it here. Where is it? Now, picture this for a minute. Now, I don't have a lamp. I have a flashlight. Here she is. She's she's looking on her everything. She's got to find this coin. And she possibly takes the broom, sweeps the house, and she's sweeping. And she's looking. I have to find it. That passionate desperation that she has to find that lost coin. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a picture of the passion that the Lord has for us looking for the lost. Looking for us. i got to find them. i got to pursue them. I love them so much. She carefully searches the entire room for it. And she searches. Can, can you sense the desperation that underlies this text? I have to find this going. Ever been like that? Lose something important to you and you have to find it? If you lost your wedding ring, perhaps, or you lost some money, or it doesn't have to be great value. It could be something of sentimental value that you're looking for. I want you to put that feeling into your heart this morning. Really feel that desperation and frustration that she's doing as she's searching the house. And look what it says. When she has found it, She calls her friends and neighbors to rejoice with her. It's the same excitement that we see when the shepherd finds his sheep in the first parable. Hey, I found what I was looking for. Here it is. And you feel the same way when you've searched so hard for something and you never gave up. And when you finally find it, you rejoice. Woo, I found my wallet. I lost it, and here it is. That same type of excitement. Now, in order to illustrate this, there's a clip. The Washington Nationals won the World Series, and their fans are sitting there. You'll see the last pitch come in, and they'll call it a strike. And I want you to sense the excitement that overcomes them when they realize their team has won the World Series. Go ahead.
feel that excitement? Boy, they just erupted in the, in the cheering and the celebration. I want you to understand that this is the excitement that would fill when she found this coin. And look what it says. In the same way or likewise, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So that joy that you see expressed is happening in heaven when one sinner comes and repents. And what do we do? There should be excitement and passion. There is joy in That word repent means to change one's mind completely or to change one's life based on a complete change of attitude. So repentance doesn't mean, hey, I'm sorry, but repentance means I'm heading this way and now I turn abruptly and go back the other way. I'm walking away from God. I repent and confess. Now I'm turning back to God. And when that happens, it tells me in this text, there is joy in the presence of the angels of of the Lord. When one sinner repents. And I, I would tell you that, that that joy and excitement goes on because we're not perfect. And when we, even as believers, we, we get trapped in sins and all this stuff is happening. But we come back to God, there's rejoicing in that. I cannot explain. The English language falls short of trying to describe you this morning. The desire and the passion that God has for each and every one of you. I I can't even come close to describing how deep and how wide that really is. How excited and how passionate he is to use this church to reach the lost in Forestburg and Montague County, the state of Texas, and our country and the world. Language falls short of really explaining that to you. In both parables of the sheep, And the coin, the recovery of the lost, leads to rejoicing with others. And this underscores God's desire for disciples to share the goal of winning the lost back to Him. There's joy in it. Think about that for a second. God saved you from the pit of hell. He he has literally brought you from death into life. He he has created you new. In fact, 1 Corinthians tells us that Anybody who's in Christ, behold, all things have passed away. All things become new, a new creation, a new creature it talks about. Not only that, but now he allows you to be part of that greatest mission. To go forward and share that same message of hope and restoration with the rest of the world. People you come in contact. Everybody around a new believer, someone did, they're on fire, aren't they? Because they have felt that, that love and excitement from God who has searched them out. And by the way, you're sitting there and say, well, Tim, that's fine. And Danny, I've been a Christian for a long time. Do you think it's this accident that you're sitting here this morning hearing this message? I don't think so. I don't care how long you walk with the Lord. He's still as passionate about you as he was back then. And he wants to use you in ways you can't possibly understand. But he's not going to force his way in. You have to let him come in and use you. After all, he knows what's best for you. He created you. We talk about God loves you, but have you ever heard that God likes you? Because he's created you the way you are. He loves the way you handle problems and all the gifts he's given you. He's, he's desiring you to use those for his glory. And there is peace and joy that comes. When you truly serve God with the gifts and abilities he's given you.
I still get choked up. Leading someone to Christ or standing in the baptistry. Brothers and sisters, you don't understand where God has brought me from. And allow me to do what I do. That blows my mind. We read these parables and sometimes we take their message for granted. But take in consideration the first audience or people that heard this for the first time. That God actually searches for lost sinners. No wonder the Pharisees and the scribes were offended. There was no place for this in their legalistic theology. These people have been told all their lives, you're not worth anything. You're the bottom of society. No one wants you. No one loves you. And now comes Jesus saying, no, God loves you so much that he's pursuing you actively with his love. Can you see the difference there? And to be men of Scripture, they've forgotten Genesis 3, verses 8 and 9. After the fall, after they partook of that one tree that they were told not to do, in verse 8 of Genesis chapter 3, they heard the sound, Adam Eve, of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? Now, there's no such thing as a huge cosmic hide and seek going on here. God knew where they were, but he was searching for them. He was coming after them. He was pursuing them. He knew what would happen, but he still pursued them. And that's back in the beginning. God pursued them. God and his heart. He cares enough about them to go looking for them, even when they stayed away consciously. You and I should be like raiders in search of great treasure. The treasure we seek are lost souls, and the search is not always easy. However, the joy that comes at the end makes the effort all worthwhile. God's love for the lost individual is unrelenting and persistent. And it's easy to dismiss insignificantly the variety of people whom our culture casts aside as, uh, casts aside or views with contempt. People who suffer from diseases, people on welfare, and all these other people that society looks at and says, ah, you can never do anything. Those are the modern day tax collectors and the sinners. Jesus pursued these very people with such vigor that the religious community of the first century questioned his character. But he knew that rescue was possible. And his love compelled him to rescue the perishing. And just like there's no specific monetary value placed on the coin in the text, it doesn't matter. The whole point of the parable is this. What was once lost is now found. That's the point. It's no accident that you're here. As I said earlier, because God is pursuing you with His love. If you have not come to faith in Christ or you're a believer, no matter where you are, that you're a new believer, been a believer for a long time, I want you to know that God is pursuing you with His unrelenting and persistent love. 
We need to be engaging in relationships, sharing that love. And our face past busy culture to develop meaningful relationships can be hard. But many opportunities come from work, school contacts, and our neighbors. In those cases, it's easy to develop a deeper relationship. Jesus calls us to be on the lookout for the lost. Just as he was and still is. And he calls us to be prepared to take the initiative in helping them, helping them find their way back to him. We are to take the initiative. We got to move away from this mindset. If they build it, if we build it, they will come. No, we need to go out there where the people are. You don't come to church, you are the church. It's important to come together as a body of Christ, but the mission feels right out those doors. Right out outside those doors. Is there someone that you've kind of given up on? One of those liminals that we talked about in the beginning? You share and they don't seem to really make decisions. They say, I don't like organized religion. And you talk to them, but you just kind of say, eh, they don't want to hear it. I'm not going to bother with it. Two out of every three people we come in contact with will at least be open to an open and sincere discussion about your faith. That's not just a pastor's job. I would say that's our duty. Is It's not even a duty. It's a privilege. It's an honor to tell people about Christ. So let me ask you this way. First of all, do you have a relationship with this guy? Who's pursuing you with his unrelenting love? Even you are a Christian, what's, what's keeping you back? Perhaps a sin or something, a habit has, has come into play and it's, it's keeping you cut short. And that, that conviction or that tension you feel right now is God saying, turn it over to me. Just repent. Come back. Perhaps you've never given your life to Christ. Now is the time. But... For everybody else, hear me and hear me well. Is there someone that you know of, perhaps a loved one, a friend, a co-worker, that you consciously may say you haven't given up on, but subconsciously maybe you have. You, are you willing to come forward and pray for that individual? Say, God, you know what's going on. Use me. Give me the opportunities to share with them about my faith in you. And he will. He'll give you those opportunities. I'll say this one more time. Put it this way. You're not a product of some evolutionary chain. All right? You didn't come from some ape way back when. The Lord God, who created everything you see created you, formed you in your mother's womb purposefully. You have value. You have worth. I don't care what the world tells you. And the God who created you wants you to stop listening to all those voices out there coming from the enemy. He wants you to hear his voice distinctly and clearly this morning is that I love you. And I'm pursuing you unrelentingly. And I want you.
to be with me every day, every hour. I want to walk with you. I want to hold you when you cry. I want to laugh when you laugh. I want to be with you every step of the way. And he's right here, right now, with his arms open wide, saying, Would you come unto me? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from, the color of your skin, ethnicity, social economic state, all that stuff fades away in God's great love. The pursuit. And for some of you, He's calling you in to be part of that team that goes out, the great pursuit to seek that which is lost and to rejoice. When's the last time, dear beloved, I'm guilty too? Someone comes to faith in Christ. Why don't we act like that? Think about what just happened. One lost sinner was saved. From death into life, there should be some excitement and joy. That's the reason I think John Newton can write those wonderful words. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wrench like me. I was once was lost, but now I'm found. I was once blind, but now I see. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love. We thank you for this beautiful picture, this parable, Jesus, that you, that you told so many years ago, explaining to us the heart of the Father, and your heart, and pursuing unrelentingly. And you've called us to be part of that. And Father, I pray that if anyone in this room has never made a decision to come and place their life in, the earth, in your hands, coming to place their trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, or perhaps anybody in this room has walked and been walking with you, but there's something that's cropped up, cutting them short, and now, dear God, you're, you're convicting us. May we respond in obedience, and as we think about those individuals, may we never give up on them. And Father, I pray that there's people that you're laying on our heart right now that we would come forward and kneel before you and pray for them. Father, whatever it is you're calling us to, I pray that we'll be faithful and obedient to that call. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.